you've probably been... Thank you very much. It, uh, I can tell that uh, I am getting older in age and that my New Year's party night ended around 10 o'clock. And uh, we, even did the, we even did our little uh, Welch's grape juice toast at that time as well because we're really lame. And uh, although I did see the ball drop and, and, uh, and all the things that were involved in that, my, uh, my festivities for the evening were, uh, were surrounded around a three-year-old getting home and going to bed, and that's okay too. But uh, I'm so looking forward uh, to this, this new year. I love this time of year uh, because there's such a sense of optimism and, and the idea of fresh starts. And I don't know if you're like me, but um, I, like, I, I, I feel like to make changes in my life, and maybe this is a bad thing, but I feel like there needs to be like momentous times to make changes, right? You can't make a significant change in your life the 29th of December because it it's like a weird time. Like it's, it's an in-between time. So I'm like, oh, the first of something, or a Monday or a Sunday. And, and so the, the, I love this time of year because this is like a really good reboot time uh, of the year. And I pray that this morning as, as, as I speak that, that uh, God would speak something very directly to you this morning, something uh, just for you that will be very different for you in this upcoming year. Let me pray for us. <clears throat> Father, I truly believe that your desire for our lives is to be ones that reflect the life of your Son, Jesus Christ. And so I pray this morning a blessing over this church family, Lord God, and those that can't be with us this morning, and even those in this community, Father, that as you chase after us, that we would slow ourselves down this year and allow ourselves to be caught by your mercy and your grace and your love, Lord God. That something radical would uh, would happen in our lives this year, that that it would be a better year spiritually for us uh, than that we have ever had, Lord God. And we look forward in anticipation to what you're going to do in our lives. Father, I pray that you would bless me as I speak this morning, Lord God, that I would communicate your words. In Jesus' name we pray. One of the things I'd like to do this morning as, as, we, take, as we think about looking forward is to take a look uh, at the past year. And, and I'd like to try to do that by asking a question. And a lot of the thoughts that I'll be sharing this morning uh, are some thoughts that, uh, that I heard in a message by uh, a man by the name of Craig Groeschel. And, um, and, and, and I felt like the, 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 the points were very significant and timely, uh, not just for this church here at Grace, but for Christians in general. And the question that we want to ask ourselves is, what kind of year was it for you last year spiritually? What kind of year did you have spiritually last year as you kind of survey the year in general? What did the year look like for you? And, and I want to propose that there's three kind of maybe three main categories that you may fall into as you answer this question of what kind of year did you have spiritually. And the first category would be spiritually you were apathetic. You had a spiritually apathetic year. And, and, and I recognize that some people here in this congregation this morning are not Christians and you have no relationship with Christ. And so you're saying, yeah, that's kind of an easy one for me. I really didn't think much about the things of God. Or maybe you, didn't, you don't believe in God at all. And, and yet there are also some Christians uh, sitting amongst us this morning that would say, you know what, kind of for this year, it was kind of a spiritually apathetic year. 
And maybe you started off the year with really good intentions and yet for some reason you just kind of got distracted throughout the year. Maybe there was an illness that took place in your life that kind of distracted you. Maybe there were some difficult relationship things going on at home. Uh, maybe financially for you uh, it was a really difficult year and so uh, we, you just kind of got distracted and, and, and spiritually the things of God uh, didn't seem like priorities to you because you were too busy taking care of all these other things. And it's not sometimes just bad reasons that distract us. Maybe sometimes it's good reasons as well that can distract us from a year. Uh, Maybe things were just really good this year and sometimes if you're like me, the really good times of year sometimes is uh, unfortunately when I kind of forget to rely on God because things seem to be going relatively well. Or or maybe you just had a really busy year, a new job or a promotion or maybe a, a, a big transition in your life. You bought a new house or had kids or something like that. And those kinds of distractions sometimes can can uh, change the course uh, of our year. So maybe for you this morning, as you reflect on your year, for whatever reason, uh, you didn't think a lot about God, and so you were spiritually apathetic. Maybe you fall into the second category, and you would consider yourself this year as spiritually inconsistent. There were times when you were seriously seeking God and there was times that you, you found yourself uh, excited to, to look and see what His Word had to say and, you've, and you had really strong times of prayer with God and there were some really high moments uh, in your year and yet there were other times as you looked through that there were seasons of kind of uh, drought in your life spiritually. And, and again, for whatever reason, uh, uh, there were distractions in your lives. Maybe you had some really good days and then you found yourself with days where you were punting the cat across the room because why are they sleeping on the clean clothes every time they're out? Or maybe I should just fold them quicker. But some, if you had a spiritually inconsistent year, there were some really good moments and then there were some moments uh, that weren't so good. And so maybe you're either spiritually apathetic, spiritually consistent, or maybe this morning as you reflect on your year, you had a spiritually consumed year. A spiritually consumed year where you were really hungry for the things that God was doing. Maybe He kind of awoken something in you spiritually this year where you were really passionately pursuing what God was doing and you were excited each day to, to see what God would do in your life and how He would move and He showed you new things this year and, and, and you were kind of in awe of what He was doing and you, your life was kind of dedicated to serve Him in whatever way that you could and you kind of made yourself uh, available for God to do what He needed to in your life. You are consumed consistently throughout the year, living in order to please God. Where were you this last year, spiritually? As you kind of reflect on the year, I'm hoping that everyone will feel comfortable participating with us this morning, but I'm wondering if you fell in either one of those first two categories, either an apathetic or an inconsistent year, if you'd be willing to kind of raise your hand and recognize, you know what, for me, one of those two categories is where I fell this year, if you want to raise your hand. Keep your hand up there for just a second because I want us to, to take a look around. And, and by the showing of our hands, you can drop them now. By the showing of our hands, wouldn't you say that, that, that there is a spiritual enemy that's in our lives who would love to do nothing more than to distract us from what God has and wants for our lives this morning? 
Because if, if you're like me and, and, you're, and you, you claim to be a Christian and you live your life for Christ, then, then all of us have a desire to want to please God and to live a life well and, and even to live a life that's consumed. And yet our best intentions sometimes uh, fall a little bit short uh, for, for whatever reason. And I'm proposing this morning, I, I, I believe it's because there is a spiritual enemy who would love to distract us from what God has in store for our lives. Take a look in some scripture in Matthew chapter 6. In Matthew chapter 6 verse 33, Jesus says this. He says, but seek what? First, say it again, seek Seek first God's kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Just to kind of give you a little bit of uh, a background as to what's taking place here in this chapter uh, in, in, in Matthew. Uh, Jesus is speaking to some people who are kind of fearful and worried about where their food is going to come from, where their drink is going to come from, where their clothing is going to come from. And Christ is telling them, take a look at the world around you. Take a look at nature around you. Uh, if God is, is, is concerned about clothing the flowers of the field and, and providing for the animals and, and things like that, how how much more wouldn't He provide for us as well? And He says, but this is, this is what I want you to do, but seek first God's kingdom and His righteousness and all these other things, the things that you want, the things that you need, all these other things will be added to you as well. But His desire is for us to seek first God's kingdom. I'm going to make a guarantee like one I've never made before. I'm going to make a promise to you this morning because I believe so much in this that if you're able to do these four things that I'm going to suggest this morning, if you're able uh, to, 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 to seek God first in these four areas, I promise you, I promise you, you will have a year spiritually like you have never had before. I promise you that. But be cautious of what I didn't say. I didn't say that your life will be perfect this year. I didn't say that you'll, you'll be healthy all year and never get sick. I didn't say that financially everything will restore itself this year. What I said was if we are able to keep these four things, if we're able to seek God first in these four areas, when we reflect back on our year in 2013, January 1st, I promise you you'll have a year spiritually unlike any you've ever had before. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. The first thing that I want to challenge us to, to seek with this morning is to seek God with the first of our day. To seek God with the first of our day. And I want to make it very clear here from the beginning that I'm not talking about legalism here and I'm not suggesting any legalistic practices. I'm not saying that if... Uh, I'm going to be talking here in a moment about spending time with God, reading His Word, spending time with God, praying in the first part of our day. And I'm not saying that as soon as you wake up, if you really have to go to the bathroom really, really badly, that you're like, oh, I can't spend time with God in the first of my day. I'm not talking about that. Please, go use the restroom. 
If, if you're like some members of my family and you wake up in the morning and nothing is functioning until that first cup of coffee, then share that time with God after you've had your first cup of coffee. He would appreciate it and so would your family members as well. I'm not saying when you wake up and you hit the alarm and you're like, oh, darn it, I didn't give God first because I hit the alarm. What I'm saying is, is, is to take the, the beginning of your day, to take the first part of your day and spend time seeking God. And maybe you might say to me, depending on what your work schedule is, depending on what your life schedule looks like, that for you maybe the first part of the day isn't the best time. And that's okay. Again, I don't, I'm not speaking legalistically here. I'm saying that we need to give a significant portion of our day spent seeking God first. And the reason why I suggest the beginning part of the day is because I believe that in the beginning part of the day, is, as we kind of start our day off, there's something significant spiritually that can take place if we seek God at the beginning parts of our day. Because it prepares us, I think, for the, for the rest of the day. Um, if you're someone like me and maybe the beginning part of the day you're not such a morning person, I would recommend maybe not doing your devotions laying on your pillow on your back because that soon turns into you waking up and realizing, wait, wait, what just happened? But I would suggest that you find a place where you can get and go and get comfortable, get yourself prepared mentally uh, for spending and seeking time with God at the first parts of our day. When we devote time with God in the first part of our day, I believe something spiritual takes place. We open our hearts and we open our minds to say, God, speak to me through your word today. God, guide me today. Those of you who said that you had an apathetic or inconsistent spiritual life, I can promise you that you probably were not seeking God consistently with the first part of your day. Because if you do, you will align your heart with God's heart at the beginning of the day. Let's take a look at some scripture and see what it says. In Psalm 63, verse 1, David says, O God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in the dark and thirsty land where there is no water. Early I will seek you. Even Jesus, in Mark chapter 1, verse 35, he says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark. That's like. Before 6 a.m., dark. Or here in the winter, that's like 8 o'clock in the morning, dark. While it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Think about this. If for Jesus, the Son of God, this idea of starting his day, seeking God first, getting up early in the morning was a priority for him, how much more... Should it be a priority in our lives as well? This, the, the, Jesus, the Son of God, perfect relationship with Christ, He still recognizes my day needs to start by seeking God, by seeing what He has for me, and by moving forward. What I want to encourage you to do is take the first part of your day and devote it to seeking God. Now what does that mean? It could mean a couple different things. I guess uh, probably one of the more significant things you can do with the first part of your day in seeking God is to talk with God. And so you spend some time in prayer with God. And there's something that, that I've been doing recently just to kind of get myself prepared is I kind of hold my hands before God and I say, God, these uh, are your hands. God, these are your eyes. These are your ears. Lord, this is your heart. These are your feet. Guide me, this, guide me today. Show me what you want me to see. 
Give me compassion for the things that you are compassionate about. Take my feet where you want my feet to go. And sometimes I'm really good later in the day at allowing Him to guide me, and, and sometimes uh, not so much. But it's, it's a way to start my day off to say, God, I am yours. Do what you want to with my life. Something I say to our students a lot is, if, there's, if, if it's not in our mental radar, we don't, sometimes don't even see needs or opportunities or things because we're not looking for them. We have to be sometimes a little more proactive about seeing what God is doing and how He's moving in our lives. And so unless we put it in our radar, sometimes just innocently, uh, opportunities pass us by where God would really desire us to, to do something or move into action in a particular area. So I would recommend taking some time to speak and talk with God, and I would also recommend spending some time reading some Scripture as a part of your morning routine. One of the really cool things, there's, uh, we have so many resources here in America, so many resources today in a technology world that, that can help us. And you may say, I don't know where to start or where to begin or what to do. And, and there are so many resources online and so many Bibles that can help us devotionally. Uh, I was definitely one of those kids growing up who played the Bible roulette where you just kind of flip through the pages, you stop and point and start reading from wherever you're at. And, and hopefully you don't end up in Leviticus somewhere. And it's like, what? Boiling a kid in its mother's milk? I don't understand. What am I supposed to do today? <laughs> but there's so many resources for us that can help us and aid us and, and, and move us through. Whatever you do and however you do it, sometimes we can start with good intentions and yet we fail from time to, do, from time, to time. Maybe you have a really crazy morning. There's a doctor's appointment. Maybe your kids wake up early and something chaotic is going on. Maybe you're traveling and you're like, oh man, I missed a day. I forgot to spend this morning the first part of my day with God. The enemy would love to call you a failure. The enemy would love to tell you you're no good. And in those moments, that's when you say to him, either, okay, I'll stop right now and I'll spend time with God. Or, we'll, or maybe sometimes it doesn't even dawn on you until you're laying your pillow down, your head on your pillow at night, and you think to yourself, man, I kind of blew it today. But the good news is you wake up tomorrow and you start over again. You start where you left off all over again. So seek God with the first part of your day. Lord, I am your servant. Direct me today. Speak to me through your word. These are your hands. These are your eyes. These are your feet, Lord God. Guide me. Show me what you wanted me to do. Seek God with the first part of your day. Secondly, I want to suggest that we seek God with our weak and we seek God by worshiping together with the first part of our weeks. Worship God, to, to, to make the corporate worship of God in the church at the beginning of your, of your week a priority for you. Take a look in Acts chapter 20, verse 7. Sorry, this morning some of these verses I'll be flying through. We'll have them up here for you. If you want to flip through and find them, you can. If you want to make notes for them, that's fine too. In Acts chapter 20, verse 7, the first New Testament church, the Bible says, On the first day of the week we came together to break bread. That doesn't mean that they just came together to kind of eat lunch together. And, and uh, I do that very well and very regularly. But this, there was so much more in the early church that they spent time together. They would come together. Yes, they would eat a meal together, but they would also seek God together. They would worship together. They would study together. For this New Testament church, they were still kind of outlaws in the area. And so they gathered together for encouragement and for protection. 
And so they gathered together to worship God together, and it was a priority for them. Here's a sobering statistic. In America, 48% of regular churchgoers attend church once a month. That means half of churchgoers that are considered regular attenders are one time a month attenders of church together. Now please, again, don't hear what I'm saying through legalistic ears. I'm not saying the measure of your spirituality is based upon your church attendance. That those with perfect attendance have had a better spiritual year. That's not what I'm saying at all because there are many in churches all across America who have perfect church attendance and when they leave church, they worship anything other than God. Because they worship the God of self, they worship the God of pride, they worship the God of money, they worship the God of family. It's easy to worship the God of your kids unknowingly. Good things that we put in place that only God should have reserved the highest place of honor. And so I'm not saying that you need to have perfect attendance to have a spiritually consumed life. What I am saying, though, is that there is significance about the corporate body gathering together, spending time together in worship, spending time together studying God's Word, spending time together encouraging each other, supporting each other. It was absolutely necessary for the early church, and I believe that our culture is absolutely no different. We may not be hunted down uh, by the law, and, but yet we have a spiritual enemy who day by day, moment by moment, would love to do nothing more than to attack us, than to distract us. I believe that your week will be different this week because you hear God's Word today. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, it says, Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. Let the idea of putting God first in our worship also exist beyond just the once or twice a a week meetings that we gather together. That if we put God first in our worship throughout our week, something radical will also change in our lives. Our priorities will begin to shift. The opportunity to be able to come together and sing and share worship together and hear the Word preached together is absolutely invaluable. I I also believe that if we rely on it once a week or maybe twice a week, we're starving ourselves throughout the week. That we can find regular times to worship God together. Here's the beauty of it. If you're not a good singer, no one else will know because you'll be by yourself. And so we can find times to worship God together. Maybe for you, worshiping God is having K-Love on the radio as, as you're heading to work and the people around you in the traffic think you're a crazy person. But you know what? Normal isn't working in our world right now. Maybe we need to be a little weird. Maybe for you, worshiping is you've got your favorite artists that you love to listen to and you've got them on CD or tape or whatever way you like to listen to your music. And so you can spend some time, you just find a little bit of time just worshiping God. Spending time recognizing that He is worthy of our honor, He is worthy of our worship. And the cool thing is we have access to this, that we can do it throughout our weeks. Throughout, throughout the week. And so we worship God with our week. One of the biggest problems most Christians have today is that we give honor and worship to things that aren't God. We've elevated things to a place of worship that have no place in honor above who God is. 
So with the first of our day, we are going to seek God. With the first of our week, we are going to worship God. Thirdly, with the first of our month, we are going to worship God with our giving. Now this is the part of the message where people are like, what is he talking about? This is the part of the message that we get uncomfortable with for a number of different reasons. And what I'm saying here is, again, not the idea of being legalistic that at the first of the month we give our tithes to the Lord. You say to yourself, well, I get paid twice a week. So it's kind of hard for me. That's fine. Maybe you say, I work on commission, and, and, and so the timing of it is weird, and that's fine too, because the desire isn't to be legalistic about our generous giving to God. Our desire is to have a heart that recognizes and worships God and realizes that everything that we have already belongs to Him. And so we worship Him by giving it back to Him. In fact, actually, we don't give it to Him, we bring it to Him because it's already His. Giving it implies that it's ours to give. And so we bring our offering before God. This is a a very often debated and hotly debated topic throughout churches all around the world. Let's take a look at what the Bible has to say. We'll look in the Old Testament and the New Testament in Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30. See, I told you there was something about that book in Leviticus. Leviticus 27, verse 30. It says, a tithe. The word there is ma'aser which means one-tenth, a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. What do we do? We worship God. The Bible says we bring the tithe. You don't give it, you bring it to God because it's already His to begin with. And so anytime we have an increase of resources in our lives, whenever that happens, however that happens, we worship God and we honor God by bringing that before Him. Let's take a look in the New Testament. Jesus is confronting the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. And this is what's happening. See, the the Pharisees were very good about following the letter of the law. And since this idea of tithing is in Leviticus, then certainly they are very good about following uh, that mandate. And this is what what he's saying to to the Pharisees. They're, They're giving their tithe regularly and doing what they're supposed to, but they're not loving people. And this is what he says to them. He says, hypocrites. For you are so careful to tithe even the tiniest amount from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. What this does is it causes us to acknowledge that God is my source and I return to God what belongs to Him. Now, I know a lot of people are saying, but you don't understand, if you have to give 10% of my income or whatever offerings I have to give, I have to totally rearrange my finances, I've got to move things all around, I have to totally change the way I live my life. Yes. Yes, I know that's what that means. But I believe that when we put God first, when we recognize that God should be first in our lives, says all these other things will be taken care of for us as well if we put God first. I've seen firsthand what this act of worship by faithful giving can do in my own life. 
Again, for those of you who are prone to be legalistic, I absolutely believe that if, if something that God is calling us to do in this tithing is spiritually good for us, but if we are also like the Pharisees, where we are faithful to give, and yet we are very meager with sharing our lives and our generosity is, is lacking in forgiveness and mercy and grace, then our heart is the same as these Pharisees, and we're hypocrites in what we do. And so I totally believe as well that as we are generous with our finances, God wants us to be generous with our lives as well. And so we, we, we change the way that we think. We, we flip a switch, the radar in our lives, and we look for opportunities where we can extend mercy, where we can extend grace, where we can be generous with, with forgiveness, where we can be generous with love with one another. So this idea of generosity absolutely goes well beyond just the idea of giving of our finances. Because quite honestly, Honestly, the giving of our finances is sometimes way easier than the giving of our forgiveness. Sometimes the giving of our finances is way easier than giving mercy when we desire justice. And so God's desire is that as we seek God first, we will be generous in all areas of our lives. That we will be generous in giving. So we seek God with the first part of our day. Say, seek God. Try it again. Seek God. With the first of our week, we worship. Say, worship. With the first of our months, we give generously. Say, give generously. And fourthly this morning, with the first part of our year, we want, I'm going to challenge us to fast. With the first part of our year, we're going to fast because we're going to devote ourselves to fasting and praying to seek God. And now some of you may say, what is fasting? I have no idea what that is. Does it mean the opposite of slowing? And yes, maybe technically. But in this concept, what I want to talk about here, the idea of fasting is when, uh, fasting is when we deprive ourselves of physical food for the purposes of focusing and seeking God spiritually. When you look through the Bible, we see all sorts of different types of fasts. There's one-day fasts and two-day fasts and seven-day fasts. And, and there's at least three accounts of 40-day fasts, one of which who is Jesus who fasted for 40 days to seek God after being baptized by John the Baptist at the beginning of his public ministry. And what we do is we deny ourselves physical food or, uh, for, for something uh, spiritual to take place in our lives. And it's kind of difficult to explain if, if it's not something that you've ever tried before. But I believe that when our bodies grow weaker, that spiritually we become a little bit more in tune with what God is doing around us. Secondly, we're not eating as much, so we're much more hungry. And the hunger kind of can be for us a reminder that we need to rely on God, that we need to depend on God. And maybe if you're like me and you extend the three meals of day to four or five or more. Because technically, if you're still awake at midnight, that's when you would eat your next meal, right? <laughs> you find yourself all of a sudden with some free time on your hands. And we can spend that time seeking God and devoting our time to God. There are lots of different types of fasts. And some of you may say, can you fast other things beside food? besides food? Yes. But don't give me any wussy fasts. You may say to yourself, well, I'm going to fast exercising for God. But you haven't exercised since 1982, so that's not really a fast either. Or maybe if you're like me as a junior high boy, you think, I'm going to fast bathing for God. Right? Do us all a favor and please, please don't give that up. There's lots of different ways that we can fast. But I would recommend, make sure that it's something significant. 
And I would even recommend, if you're able to, to make it food. Now, I know lots of people have different dietary needs, and I'm not suggesting that we be reckless in our pursuit of God or be reckless with, 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 with how we spend our fasting. You know your dietary needs uh, as well as anyone, and so I would recommend you spend some time maybe doing some research and finding out what's healthy for you. Uh, because it's one thing to, to, to do something that is God-honoring and pleasing, but if it has some sort of detrimental effect on your, your body physically, then it's not going to be a benefit to you. And there's lots of different types of fasts. Uh, for myself, for this year, I'm going to take a 21-day fast where, uh, where it will be a juice fast. So uh, I'll, I'll, I'll just uh, drink juices and water for 21 days. And I don't say that to kind of like, oh, look at me. I'm doing this fantastic thing. We'll get to that later. But what I'm saying is there's, there's lots of different ways you can do it. There's also a Daniel fast where, where Daniel ate nothing but fruit and vegetables uh, and, and, and drank water and juices and things like that. But there's lots of different ways that you can fast. And if, you're, if you have any questions about it, uh, I, I'd be more than happy to, to try to answer them in the best way that I can. But let's take a look at what the, what the Bible has to say about fasting as well. In Joel chapter 1, verse 14, it says, Declare a holy fast. Call a sacred assembly. That's what I'd like us to do. I'd like to challenge us as a church, our sacred assembly, to seek God. Declare a holy fast. Call a sacred assembly. Summon the elders and all who live in the land to the, houses, uh, to the house of the Lord our God and cry out to the Lord to fast, to seek God. Some of you are going to fast for your marriage because your marriage desperately needs prayer and desperately needs repair. And so you're going to spend time seeking God to find out where the best place of health for your marriage will be. Some of you will spend time fasting and seeking God for lost relatives that are in your life that desperately need to know the truth of the gospel. Some of you will spend time fasting for a job for this year or to help God to protect your finances this year. Some of you will spend time fasting for your children. As they, uh, as they grow up, that they would be God-honoring and that they would find Christ at an early age. Some of you will fast for this church, that God would bless our church, that we would be able uh, to, to seek to minister those in this community and to disciple those in our family. Some of you will even fast that God will help you to overcome some sort of perpetual sin in your life. That you'll ask God to cleanse you and redeem you and rescue you from that area of your life. Declare a holy fast where we deny ourselves and we seek God setting the tone for our year by seeking Him for whatever period of time we declare and putting Him first at the beginning of our year. Let's look and see what Jesus had to say in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 verses 17 and 18. He did not say, you'll notice here at the beginning, he didn't say, if you fast, but he says, but when you fast. See, he already assumes that this would be something that we would do because he knows that this is something that is good for us. And so he doesn't say, if you fast, he says, but when you fast, put oil on your face, or put oil on your head and wash your face. Let me give you the modern translation of that. Wash your hair and brush your teeth. So that you will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only for your Father who is unseen. 
And your Father who sees what you've done in the secret will reward you. See, the reason why Jesus needs to to talk in this way and the reason why he needs to illuminate these things is because uh, the Pharisees were really good, like I said, about following the letter of the law and and, and fasting was certainly something that they were really good uh, about doing. And, And so what they would do is so that everyone would know they would kind of make themselves feel super uh, emaciated and they'd be like, oh, I'm fasting, it's day number two, so spiritual. I had a vision last night of chocolate brownies with whipped topping and cherries on top and oh, I'm so, so spiritual right now. And what God is saying, it's not for other people, it's for you and it's for God. And God will see what you're doing and, and, and it'll be honoring. But that doesn't mean that you need to lie to people either or act really weird around them. It, it, it's okay if people know, but the idea is we don't want to draw attention to it. So you don't have to, like, at, at lunchtime or at mealtimes, you don't have to lie to people and be like, oh, I'm not hungry, I'm fine, I'm fine. But the idea is we don't want to draw attention to ourselves because it's something between us and God as we seek God. So we're going to put God first in our day. We're going to put God first in our month by worshiping. And we're going to put God first uh, in, in, our, in our week by worshiping. And put Him first in our month by being generous with our giving. And first in our year by spending time seeking God. By spending time seeking what His desire is for us for this year. Think about it. Think about last year. If you said that you were spiritually apathetic or spiritually inconsistent... Do you think that that's the standard that God would want for you? Do you think His standard is apathy or inconsistency? Absolutely not. As we, as we claim to be followers of Christ, God has empowered us. He's given us the ability to seek Him with everything that we have, that He strengthens us, that He gives us power, that, that He gives us protection. And yet, what the enemy loves to do is, he loves to have us put God second or third, or fourth, or fifth. Or at the end of the day, we just kind of give them our leftovers. But our desire, God's desire for us, is to keep Him first. So we say, God, these are Your hands. My thoughts are Your thoughts. My heart is Your heart, Lord God. Guide me, teach me, show you what You want me to do. We spend time together, worshiping together, encouraging one another, studying God's Word together. We put God first in our finances and we say, thank you, God. We worship Him for blessing us so much. And we put Him first in our year as we seek what His desire is for our lives this year. Though none of us will be perfect in these ways, we can be sincere as we seek God first. A year from now, we'll look back, and if someone asks us, how was your year? We can say to them, it was a year unlike any I've ever had spiritually before. And when they ask why or what was different about our year, we can honestly say to them, because I sought God first. Because I sought God first. It changed everything. The way I'd like you to kind of respond this morning is as you think back across these four things, as we seek God with our day, our week, our month, and our year, uh, my prayer for you is that one of these things really kind of stood out to you 
this morning. One of these things really hit you, and it may not have been in good ways that it hit you. Maybe it kind of hit you in negative ways because you know it's an area potentially of some weakness in your life. And, uh, but, but I'm wondering if at least one of these things really kind of hit you this morning that you're like, you know what, this is something that I've got to rein in in my life. This is something that has got to change in my life. And I, there, there's a famous saying that uh, if you want what you've already had, do what you've are always done. But if you want something you've never had before, you've got to do something you've never done before. And so if we want our lives to be different than they were last year, we need to do something different in our lives. And I totally, 100% believe that as we seek God first, our lives will be entirely different. Let me pray for you guys, or with you guys. Father, I pray that as we prepare ourselves mentally for this year, Lord God, that you would change our priorities, that you would totally rearrange them, Lord God. Father, allow us to see areas of our life that that we have pushed above you and the ranking of our priorities, Lord God. Allow your Holy Spirit in its gentle way to bring conviction in our lives, Lord God. Father, please, I pray that you would put it in our hearts and in our minds mentally, that it would be in our radar to seek you first, Lord God. That as we wake up in the morning, that we would spend the beginning of our day seeking what your plan is for us for that day, Lord God. That as we gather together each week and worship together, that it would be edifying, that it would be encouraging in our lives, Lord God. That as we worship you with our giving, Lord God, as we bring to you what you have so generously done in our lives, that it would leak into all the parts of our lives. That we would be generous, not just with our finances, but uh, with our support, with our love, with our forgiveness, with our mercy and grace, Lord God. That we would have the heart of your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, I pray for those that will take the challenge this morning to to fast at the beginning part of this year to seek you and figure out what it is that that you want to do in their lives, Lord God. That That you would give them courage, that you would give them endurance as they press through, Lord God. That you, would, uh, that you would honor them by teaching them new things about who you are, what you want to do in their lives, Lord God. Father, I'm so thankful that you are so patient with us. I pray that you would continue to extend your patience to us, Lord God, as we are shaped into the likeness of your Son, Jesus Christ. Help us to be pliable in your hands, Lord God. Forgive us for resisting uh, your work in our lives, Lord God. We're so thankful that you give us forgiveness, which is a regular do-over, a regular start-over. Father, help us not to take advantage of your kindness, Lord God, but help us to find peace in your forgiveness, Lord God, and that it would motivate us for our lives to be different. I pray for the people in this church family, Lord God, that their lives would be radically different this year, Lord God. That as we look back a year from now, we can say that we lived a life that was spiritually consumed as we seek you passionately, Lord God. In Jesus' name we pray.